Amen. All right. This morning, it is 948, so give me about 45 minutes and I'm going to be out your way. But this morning, I want to talk about five keys to keeping your faith tank full. Five keys to keeping your faith tank full. Listen, if you're in any kind of relationship, you know that it's important to keep love in that relationship full, right? We always talk in marriage conferences about keeping your love tank full. Well, how do you keep your love tank full? You have to make deposits in order to keep that love tank full. You got to do the small, seemingly insignificant things uh, that is appreciated by your spouse or by your friend or your partner or colleague or whatever. You have to do those things to keep that tank full. So this morning, I want to talk about how we keep our faith tank full. And why do I want to talk about that? Because if you've been watching the news, if you have been paying attention, you understand that you have the opportunity, if you're not careful, to allow your mouth to become reckless. What do I mean by that? There's so much stuff happening. You know, the people are talking about inflation. People are talking about how gas prices are going up. People are talking about how food prices are going up. You know, there, we know that there's a there's an active war uh, between Russia and the Ukraine. We know that that has political and financial implications around the world. And if you're not careful, it's easy to get your eyes on that and off God. But I want us to remember that we received a word at the beginning of this year that said two or three things. You said more than that, but these are the two I want to focus on today. Do not panic. And what? Do not fear. Do not panic and do not fear. So how do I keep my love tank? How do I keep my faith tank full? I got to learn how not to panic and I got to learn how not to fear. And so I want to share with you five things that I believe will absolutely work to help you do that. So let's jump into these. Number one, if I'm going to keep my faith tank full, what do I have to do? The first thing I got to do is I got to choose life. I have to choose life. Every single day, we have an opportunity to make a decision about how we're going to live. The Bible says in Deuteronomy 30, 15 and 19, it says in the, in, in the NASV, it says, I have placed before you today life and happiness and death and adversity. He says, you have two choices. I give you life and happiness and there is death and adversity. He says, but you don't have to wait till one of them picks you. He says, you get to choose it. He says, and if you don't know which one to choose, guess what? Choose life. Hear me. Every morning when we wake up, you get the opportunity to choose how you're going to live your life. Every morning that the Lord bless you to open up your eyes, you get to determine at that moment how your day is going to go. There are some people that start their day with grumbling about how tired they are and how they have to go to work and how they hate their job and how they can't stand their kids and they don't like their spouse. Or they wake up expecting things to go bad just like they did the other day, even if they don't say it. And then they receive exactly what it is that they were expecting. You get to choose. But there are other people who recognize that they have the power to set the course of their day. And if you recognize that, and if you do the right thing, then you'll be able to live at a higher level as opposed to this lowest level of living where you just accept whatever's going to happen to you. Understand in Deuteronomy 30 and 19, in another translation, God says, the word of God says it like this. It says, I call heaven and earth to record this day against you 
that I've set before you life and death, blessings and cursings. Now look at this, blessings and cursings. He says, therefore, choose life. Why should I choose life? He says, so that thou and thy seed may live. The reason you ought to choose life is because not because it's some religious thing that you should do just because it, it sounds right. You should choose life because it's best for you and your entire family. Your entire family. So you may be saying, Pastor Edwin, how do I choose life? Well, Deuteronomy actually tells us how to choose life. It says, here's what you got to do. You got to love God, number one, right? Then you got to, number two, you got to learn how to walk in his ways, right? And then number three, you got to keep his commandments and statutes and his judgments. I want us to take a look at this scripture. The first one was about loving God. Matthew 22 and 37. In Matthew 22 and 37, here's what it says. It says, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. In other words, he says, everything about you needs to be focused on loving God. Now, why is that important? Think about the prophetic word that we got at the beginning of the year. You know, I've read it so many times. It says it like this. It says, do not be in a panic. Right. It says, and do not rush. Do not be in fear. I love this. And do not get out of what? Do not get out of love. And so we understand how important love is to the foundation of the manifestation of getting everything God has for us. So if I'm going to choose life, my first step in choosing life is making the decision that I don't allow any external forces cause me to walk out of God's love. I don't let anything in this world cause me to walk away from God's love because God's love is the foundation to everything. Why? Because if I have God's love, then I can do the second part, which is what? To walk in his ways. What does the Bible say about walking in his ways? A lot. <laughs> there are so many scriptures you can go and find about walking in God's way. But I want us to look at Psalms 81 and 13. In Psalms 81 and 13, it says, Oh, that my people would listen to me, that Israel would walk in my ways. You and I, we are born again. And as born again believers, we've been grafted into the body of Christ. So when he says that Israel would walk in my ways, he's talking about us. He says, oh, that my people would listen to me. In other words, it's like this. He said, oh, if Strick would listen to me, if Edwin would just listen to me, and if he would just walk in my ways, okay, if I do that, what will happen? God says, everything I have planned for you will come to fruition. But you got to begin by loving me enough to know that whatever I'm asking you to do is for your good. Many times people will ask God what they should do and God will give them an answer. But because it's not what they wanted to do, they feel like God's trying to take something from them. But God's never trying to take anything from us. What God wants to do is give us his best. He says, so I need you to learn to listen to me and to walk in my ways. What is the third thing you can do to choose life? Because remember, if we're going to keep our faith tank full, the first thing we got to do is choose life. And the way we choose life is by loving God and by walking in his ways. What's the third thing we must do? We must learn to keep his commandments. We must learn to keep his commandments. And I used to say it like this when I was uh, learning to obey God. I had a thing I used to say to myself, which was everything God says to me is a commandment. Not just the 10 that was written over there in the old text. Everything God says to me is a commandment. 
And if I understand that, then when God tells me to do something, watch this, it's not optional. A lot of people think what God tells them to do is optional. You want, you want God to tell you what to do to see if it agrees with what you wanted to do. But that's not the way it works. The way it works is, God, what did you say? It's so funny. We were having a discussion the other day and um, we, we were talking about this issue. And this issue was around my job and whether I was going to, to stay at this current job or I was going to do something else. And, um, and, and I was talking to my wife and, 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 and my two girls, Jordan and Kenny, were in the uh, room with us. And, and we were talking and I, and I said, she asked me something. I said, well, I asked the Lord if I should stay or if I should leave. And, and then I said to her, I said, the Lord asked me a question. He said to me, he said, do you have a reason to leave? I, and, I, and then I said to my wife, I said, and I, and, I, and, I, and I said, no, I don't have a reason to leave. And so that's why I'm staying. And so she, 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 she took a moment and then she said, okay, now look at this. Did God tell you to stay or did God tell you to leave or did God give you a choice? And here's the reality. When I asked God the question, he just asked me a question back. But because I had a predetermined thing that I didn't have a reason to leave, that's what I ended up believing. But watch this. I've so trained myself that whatever God says, I embrace that because I thought God said stay, I was willing to stay. Because I thought God said do something, I'm willing to do it. What am I saying to you? I'm saying to you that you ought to be willing to make a mistake obeying God rather than making a mistake, doing it your own way. Now, she helped me work through it. And then sometimes that's why you need other people in your life, because they help you to see things you didn't see the right way. But understand this. In my life, I am, if I miss it, I'm going to always miss it obeying God. I'm not going to miss it being disobedient. Why? Because I want to keep his commandments. Why is keeping his commandments important? Look at Deuteronomy uh, chapter 8, verse 5 and 6. It says, thou shall also consider... In thine heart. Now, listen, he says, here's what you got to do. You got to consider first in your heart. Now, why is that important? Because remember the first thing we said, we said you got to love God. What you got to love God with? All of your heart. So if you got places in your heart where you're not loving God, when you start to consider certain things, you're not totally considering God. He says you got to love God with your whole heart. Why? So that when you consider something, the only thing that's being considered is from God's point of view. Some of y'all going to get that. I'm telling you, you got to you got to understand that some of the reason why it's hard for you to obey is because God doesn't have all of your heart yet. And if you will admit that, you can say, God, I want you to have all of my heart and he will come in and take whatever areas that you haven't given to him. But you have to allow him in. Deuteronomy 8, 5 and 6 says, thou shalt also consider in thine heart that as a man, right, corrects his son, so the Lord God corrects us. Therefore, thou shalt keep the commandments of the Lord thy God to walk in his ways and to reverence him. Now, this is important. He says, if you call me father, if you call me Abba, if I am really your daddy, he said, consider this. Even an earthly father who loves his son corrects his son. How do we know? Because the Bible tells us that any father who doesn't correct his son, that that son, if he doesn't take that correction, that both the son and the father are wrong. He says, so notice this. He says, as your father, there's going to be times I am going to correct you. In fact, you ought to go ahead and put in the comments, say, God, I give you permission to correct me. God, I give you permission 
to correct me. Why do I give God permission to correct me? Because I want to keep his commandments. Why? This means that when I keep God's commandments, I don't open the door for the enemy to have any access to my life. That doesn't mean that I won't face trials and tribulations and I won't have things to happen to me. But when I choose life, that means I'm choosing God. And when I choose God, that means at the end of it, everything works out on my behalf. Amen. Listen, I, I practice this. I practice this. Every morning when I wake up, there's a statement that I'll start with before I and, and many of, you know, some of you are on uh, command, command your day and you get those emails. But I don't even have to get the email before I make this statement. Here's a statement I make. I say today is a day filled with opportunity. That's the first, when I wake up in the morning. I say, God, I thank you for waking me up. Today is a day filled with opportunity. And then I say this. Today's going to be a great day. Today is a day filled with opportunity. And today's going to be a great day. If you learn to just say that before you get up and start grumbling. And listen, you don't have to have your coffee before you say it. P people talking about, I got to have my coffee. Don't nobody talk to me. Until I get no, no, no. When you choose life, you wake up excited because you know that, you know, this is another day that you get to fulfill the will of God for your life. Amen. So number one, you got to choose life. Number two, if you're going to uh, keep your faith tank full, you got to practice speaking life-giving words. You got to watch your mouth. You got to not mouth, mouth. You got to watch your mouth. You got to watch what you say because what you say is so important. And I know, I know, I know, I know. It's so easy to join the bandwagon of people talking about how high gas prices are. You know, and people saying, I'm going to have to start riding my bike. I'm going to ride my bike, but not because I can't afford gas. Understand, if I ride my bike, it's an absolute choice. This happened, listen, we've been here before. Those of you who are, who was, who will feel like we have been here before. We have went through when gas prices skyrocketed. And they got to five, four and five dollars a gallon. And I'm going to say the same thing I said to everybody back then. Don't panic. <laughs> Don't fear. God's got you. The same guy who provided gas at $1.25 is the same God who can provide gas at $6.25. In fact, if you change your mindset, instead of focusing on how high gas is, what you will say is, oh, this is an opportunity God wants to bless me more. This is an opportunity God wants to bring more resources into my house. I am not going to be panicked. I am not going to be fearful because prices go up. Nothing is too expensive for my God. Somebody ought to go ahead and type that in the comment section. Nothing is too expensive for my God. If God knows I need to get to work, then God will provide the gas. God know me and my family need to eat. He'll provide the money for the food. God knows me and my family need clothes. He'll provide the money for the clothes. God knows it's important for my mental health that I take two or three vacations a year. God will provide for whatever I need. Why? Because he has more than enough, right? But I got to practice speaking those things. I can't buy into the world system and expect to live like God wants me to live. I can't buy into the world system. I can't say what the world is saying and then expect to live like God wants me to live. James 1, 6 through 7 in the ESV says it like this. It says, but let him ask in faith with no doubting for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. In other words, James says it like this. He says, don't be double minded. 
Don't be a double-minded man, okay? Most of you understand when you when you when you drive on the on a two-lane road, right? You can only go in one direction or the other. You're either going to go this way or you're going to go this way. But you cannot go both ways at the same time. The same thing is true if you're going to be on the road of faith. If you're going to be on the road of faith, then you can't be on the road of fear at the same time. You have to pick a side to be on. And God told us that the, you don't think God saw this coming. You don't think God knew this when he says to us, do not be in a panic. Do not be in a rush. Do not be in fear and don't get out of love. He says, these coming days are the days that you've prayed for. He says, know this. I am here to see you through and I will have you to walk above and not beneath. I'll have you to walk in the light and not in the dark. And even if, I love this, even if you see trouble, remember for every circumstance that should come, every time gas prices go up, Every time food prices go up, every time something increases, he says, you are already blessed. You are ready and you are already winning. He says, so don't fear and don't panic. Just don't let your mouth derail you. Don't let your mouth cause you to speak against what God said. God already saw this coming. God already knew what was happening. God already saw it. He was fully aware of it. He knew what was going to happen. Understand this. In life, if you want to keep your faith tank full, then it is critical that you speak only life-giving words. Your words are the steering wheel to your life. Just like in a car, wherever you, wherever you turn that wheel, that's where the car going. Your mouth is the wheel of your life. You want to know why you keep hitting the tree? You want to know why you keep running the ditch? You want to keep knowing why you keep having a wreck? Because your mouth is reckless. You got to learn to steer your mouth. We know we talked about these four things you had to tame. One of them was taming of your tongue. You got to tame your tongue. James talks about this in the book of James. He says, man, your tongue is like the rudder of a ship. He says, although it's very, very small, it can make the whole ship turn. He says, your, 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 your tongue is, 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 is like a match. He said, it's really, really small, but it can light a whole forest on fire. You got to watch what you say. Type that in the comments. Say, I will watch what I say. I will watch what I say. I will watch what I say. You got to be consistent. Don't believe and speak faith today, but then tomorrow get up talking about, well, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know if this is going to work out. Don't let circumstances punk you into saying something that, that goes against the will of God. I will watch what I, amen, I will watch what I say. Why? Because if I want to keep my, tank, my, my faith tank full, I've got to choose life and I got to watch what I say. I got to be careful. I got to speak the right kind of words. And then after I do that, I got to do the third thing, which is what? I got to be intentionally obedient. I got to be intentionally obedient. And we talk about uh, this idea of being radically obedient. And people think that's extreme. But you know what's extreme? It's extreme to know to do the will of God and do something else. That's extreme. That's extreme. To know to do the will of God and then to do something else. If I am going to keep my faith tank full, I've got to choose to intentionally be obedient. 
The Bible says in John 14 and 15, he says it like this. He says, if, if, he says, you get to determine for yourself, but if you love me, you will do what? Keep my commandments. He says, if the, the Lord, I love you. Lord, I love you. I do anything for you. Do you keep my commandments? Well, no, I don't do that. Then you don't love me. He says, the condition to you loving me is not you telling me. The condition to you loving me is that you keep my commandments. And watch this. We say this at Fellowship of Champions all the time. His commandments are not grievous to us. What God asks us to do is not hard. What God asks us to do is not difficult. It may be hard for our flesh. It may be difficult for our flesh, but that's why we don't miss a service. That's why we read the word daily. That's why we take communion often. And it's why we pray in the Holy Ghost. Why? Because those four things have the power to subdue our flesh. So when God gives us an instruction, our spirit man doesn't have to spend time fighting against our flesh. He just hops into operation of doing what God told him to do. So we have to be intentionally obedient. We have to understand that anytime God tells us to do something, that when we do it, we are blessed. We say this all the time. On the other side of obedience is what? Provision. Provision is always on the other side of your obedience. You wonder why things aren't working out for you? Check your obedience. Check the thermostat of your obedience. Listen, you know good and well that if you have a child and that child obeys you three out of 10 times and you're talking to that child about the seven times they disobey and that child says to you, but I obeyed you one, two, three. You don't care nothing about one, two, three. Come on, somebody. You ain't trying to hear no one, two, three. I'm talking about four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, and 10. Well, God, I didn't cuss them out. Well, God, I, 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 didn't, I didn't get drunk this weekend. Well, God, I didn't have sex. Yeah, but you didn't even get up and read your Bible like I told you to. So you focused on the wrong thing. He like, if you will obey me in the little things, it becomes easy to obey in, the, in what you consider to be the bigger thing. The Bible tells us in Luke 11 and 28, it tells us that those who hear God's word and keep them are blessed. It says, it tells us that those who hear God's word and keep it, how do I keep God's word? By doing it. They are blessed. They are blessed. You know, I was thinking the other day, I uh, in, in my organization I work for, they make you change your password like every 90 days. And you can't use one of those things, like the previous four passwords you can't use. I ain't got but about four or five passwords that I, that I use because I can't remember them all. So you, so, you, so you end up having to have a tablet to write it down, but then until you don't write your passwords down. So anyway, I had to change my password. And as I was changing my password, I was thinking, this is what obedience is like. If you don't obey, you don't get access to everything God has. If I don't get that password right, I don't get access to everything that's inside that computer that I need to do my job. And the reason that some of us are frustrated is because we won't simply do what God is asking us to do. He said, this is the password you've been putting in. This disobedient password. I need to give you a new password called obedience. And what you need to do is when you want to access something, you need to practice putting in the right password. And it doesn't matter. See, see, some of us, some of us are blaming the hardware. It's not the hardware. God has already set up the road to provision. That's the hardware. He says, here it is. It's already available. 
The software is your obedience. Are you going to use the right software so that the hardware can do the job it's supposed to do? He says, understand, I just want you to obey so that you can unlock everything I already have for you. How do I do that? By being intentionally obedient. By being intentionally obedient. Write this in the comment section. Say, obedience is my greatest pleasure. Obedience is my greatest pleasure. Why? Because when you learn to make obedience your greatest pleasure, whatever God is asking you to do becomes an easy thing. It becomes an easy thing. And I, and I was, as the story I was telling you about earlier, I really have learned, I realized I've really learned to embrace this. I haven't always been that way, but I have learned to embrace this. That if I think something and God said, and I think God said something different, I am going to totally forget what I was thinking. And I'm going to always go with God because here's what I've learned. Even if you miss it, obeying God, he has a way to put you back on the right track. He had, not only does he have a way to put you back on the right track, he'll put you back on track as though you never missed it. I don't know who I'm talking to, but somebody out there feels like you tried to obey God and you missed it. And now you feel like a failure and you feel like things are never going to work out for you. I need you to throw that thinking in the trash this morning. God says to you, whoever I'm talking to, that if you will pick up right now today and start obeying today, he will accelerate you back to the place as though you never missed him the first time. Because you can never go wrong obeying God. You can never go wrong trying to obey God. So you, if, if your heart, and the Bible says that God searches the heart and the deep things of man. So God knows whether or not you were really trying to obey him. And if you were really trying to obey God, God understands that. And he has a way to cause you to get back as though you never missed him in the first place. My spiritual father set me free years ago. He told me years ago, he said, son, he said, if you hang with God long enough, there will come a time where you will miss him. He says, but if you miss him with the heart of sincerity, God has a way of putting you back on track as though you never missed him. And so my heart's desire has been that God, even if I miss you, let me miss you trying to obey you. Let me let 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 me miss you going by what you said rather than going by what Edwin said. If I have to miss you, I want to miss you based on me loving you, not me loving myself so much. And I thought I was right and you was wrong. And so we got to make sure that we're being intentionally obedient. How do I get to the place to be intentionally obedient? Because most of us have spent our life not being obedient. We spent our life not being obedient. So how do I keep this faith tank full, Pastor Edwin? If I'm new to Christ or I'm new to faith or I'm new to this, tell me, how do I do this? Let me give you some ways. Let me give you some ways for how you can be intentional about being obedient to God. Number one, spend time meditating on the word of God and how applying it to your own life. Spend time meditating on the word of God and applying it to your own life. It's why I encourage you to come to Wednesday night Bible study because, and I'm being honest, and I'm not saying this just because he's passed around. He has a, a wonderful way of giving you some really practical examples, kind of in your face examples of, you know what, what do you need to do? 
If you need a soul shift, I encourage you to take soul shift and not just one. Sometimes I, I get to live with soul shift. You understand? I get to hear soul shift when I don't want to hear soul shift. You understand? I'm shifting when I want to stay the same. Why? Because I live with the person who does this work. But I'm telling you, there may be times that you go, you know what? I need to shift my thinking. I need to hear the word of God. I need to hear some practical examples. I need to put it in my life in such a way that it gets applied and then have somebody to look at my life and tell me whether I'm doing it correctly. I told you, Jesse, the other day, we were having a conversation about my job thing and, and Pastor Sean said something and it shifted the way I saw it. Sometimes you need to have somebody else who also loves God and loves the word to help you understand and see things, okay? The second thing you got to do if you want to practice being intentional, I'm talking about intentionality because it's one of the things you have to have to keep your faith tank full. Number two, you got to develop the habit of listening for and responding to correction. There's a difference between criticism and critique. Ooh, let me just let you think on that. There's a difference between criticism and critique. A criticism is when someone is talking to you and what they're really doing is invoking um, uh, uh, something that's going to cause you personal ilk, personal harm. They're talking about you as a person. But a critique is more of a guidance for how you can become better. So you shouldn't be mad when someone critiques something. You know, if, 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 you're, if you're learning the word and you're applying it wrong, you ought to want your pastor, you ought to want your leaders to critique you, not criticize you, but critique you. But so many people are so immature. Watch this. They take a critique as criticism. You're so immature, you take God's critique as criticism. You, the person who is supposed to know everything, who's omniscient, who's omnipresent, he, he, he knows the hairs on your head, but he tell you something and you have the audacity, and I'm going to say it just like this, to get pissed off at God. Why? Because he told you something to help you be better. But because you're immature, you take it as a criticism as opposed to a critique. Yep. Yep. And that's why you get mad at God and you run from God and you run back to those raggedy friends who have no relationship with God, who have no care about God, and you listen to them rather than listening to God. Oh, I'm saying something right now. I'm in your house. Why? Because some of you right now, you're mad at God because God told you something that you didn't want to hear. God told you you shouldn't be talking like that. God told you you shouldn't be acting like that. God told you you need to change your attitude. God told you you need to stop being stingy. God told you you need to let him be over your finances. And you got mad because he critiqued you because you were immature and saw it as criticism. So number two, you got to develop the habit of listening for and receiving correction. I love receiving correction from God. Does it always feel good? No. But does it always, and I mean always, make me feel better in terms of how I'm going to live? Does it make me better? Absolutely. Absolutely it does. And when you learn to take correction from God, then you become mature to take correction from people who God puts in your life. So now every time your leader, your pastor, your mentor, somebody says something to you, you don't get silly talking about, oh, they just hate no me. They don't want to be great. They, 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 they just trying to steal my shine. No, they're trying to stop you from being shipwrecked.
That's what they're trying to do because they care about you. They're trying to stop you from doing something that's going to harm yourself. But you don't listen. You don't listen for instruction. What you're listening for is to be confirmed in your wrongness. Number three, if you're going to learn how to practice being intentionally obedient, you got to learn to practice holding your tongue. You got to learn to practice being patient and you got to learn to be to think of other people. Holding your tongue, you don't have to say everything that come to your mind. Everything that come to your mind ain't godly. And even if it's godly, it ain't always the right time. You know how many people done tore stuff up by saying the right thing at the wrong time? You need, you need Holy Ghost guidance is what you need. You need Holy Ghost guidance to help you understand when to say something and when not to say something. Absolutely. Again, watch your mouth. Watch your mouth. You ain't got to say everything. And then you need to learn also to be patient. Everything doesn't have to happen on your timeline. There are other people in the world besides you. Ooh. There are other people in the world besides you. And sometimes what you want to happen, God wants to happen for you too. But there's some other things that need to be orchestrated first. And so what God needs you to do is practice patience. What is patience? Consistency. He needs you to practice being consistent until he works out the other things in the way they need to be worked out so that you get what you need. Everything's not about you. And then if you want to learn to practice being intentionally obedient, number four, you got to be sure to practice forgiving other people. You want to be forgiven? You got to learn to practice forgiving, even from offenses of long ago. And Pastor Sean, typically, if she was here, she'd probably have y'all walk through the forgiveness exercise. I won't do it this week, but you know how to do it. <laughs> if you want to forgive somebody, praise God, you imagine them in your mind, you imagine whatever they did to you, you close your eyes and you say, I forgive you. I release you. I care about you as a person. And if you really get free, you can say, and I love you because you can love someone even if they injured you and harmed you and you can let them go. And then lastly, number five, you got to dedicate time to praying for God's help. You need to learn to ask God for instruction. Listen, I know you think you know the answer, but that's when I ask God the most. <laughs> when I think I know, I ask God the most because I don't want to be out here on my own wisdom and intellect messing something up. So when I think I know for sure, I'm like, okay, God, tell me, is this what I'm supposed to do? Why? Because I always want to be intentionally obedient. Number four, if I'm going to keep my faith tank full, the fourth thing I got to do is learn to live by faith. Watch this on purpose. I got to live by faith on purpose. Not live by faith when I need my rent paid. Not live by faith when I need a miracle. I need to learn to live by faith on purpose. It becomes what I do as a daily act of my life. Ephesians 5, 15 through 17 in the ESV says it like this. It says, look carefully then how you walk. Remember we talked about walking in his ways? He says, look carefully then how you walk. Not as an unwise, but as a wise individual making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. He says, listen, don't be unwise during these times, right? Because the times we live in are evil times. 
We live in a time of inflation. We live in a time of war and rumors of war. We live in a time where, where, where we got so many young people who are literally taking their own lives. I've never seen so, and, and, and maybe it's because of social media, maybe it's because we just hear about it more, but it seems like every day you find out about somebody under the age of 25 who has taken their life. They don't feel like they're worthy. They don't feel like they're good enough. They don't feel like they can compete. Why? Because they're trying to live up to a standard that can never be met rather than letting God reintroduce them to themselves so that they know who they are in Christ and be happy with that. He says, you got to live your life on purpose. He says, don't be foolish. He says, but understand what the will of the Lord is, what the will of the Lord is for your life. Because here's the thing. When, because I understand my assignment, because I understand what God has called me to, because I understand how God has called me to do it, I can look at what somebody else does and appreciate what they do, admire what they do, and never feel depressed because I can't do it. Because I ain't called to do it. Everybody needs to be in their own swim lane. Anybody ever watch the Olympics? If you ever watch the Olympics and you watch swimming, you know they got those, those, those lanes they have to swim in. And then if you go outside of your lane, you'll get disqualified. You need to find out what is your swim lane. You ought to ask God, God, what is my swim lane? What do you want me to do in life? And whatever God wants you to do in life, swim in that lane. Swim in that lane. Here's what happens when you get in other people's lane. Not only do you mess them up, you mess yourself up. So I don't need to be like somebody else. I just need to be the best version of me. I need to learn to stay in my own swim lane. What does it mean to live by faith on purpose? When you turn, if you're driving and you start to, to, to drive down the road, you choose which lane you want to drive in and you stay in that lane. It's the reason that when you learn to drive, we, we make sure that people understand the importance of, of a signal. Because if you're going to change lanes, you got to notify other people that you are changing lanes. You got new cars now that if you're driving and you don't put the blinker on and you try to change lanes, what does driver assist do? It pulls you back into your lane. It says, whoa, homie, this ain't your lane. Get back in your lane. The Holy Spirit is your driver assist. <laughs> if you will let him, if you won't override him, the Holy Spirit becomes your driver assist. You see somebody else over here and they're doing this particular thing and this particular business, this particular opportunity. And you're like, oh, I should do that. And God, like, that's not for you. Oh, but God, I want to do it because they're doing it. Chris successful at this. Coach Vaughn successful at this. Pastor Ralph successful at this. Pastor Sean doing this. God, I want to do it. He like, but is it in your lane? Is it in your lane? Because when it's in your lane, there's not resistance. There's not resistance in your lane. Have you ever seen somebody do something that they make look so easy, but when you try to do it, it's so hard, it's so difficult? You're not in your lane. You're not in your lane. And if you want to learn to live faith on purpose, you got to learn to stay in your lane. You got to live a life of faith. And living a life of faith doesn't happen on accident. You have to be intentional about it. You have to decide, God, faith is what I want to live by. 
And then every single day you do those things and allow you to live your life on purpose. And then lastly, number five, if I'm going to keep my faith tank full, and you're going to need your faith tank full, hear me when I say this. We, we have not reached the pinnacle of how bad it will get in our economy. We have not reached it yet. But hear me, heaven's economy far surpasses anything you'll ever see on earth. So if you are able to position yourself to tap into heaven's economy, you will never be subjected to having to live by just the earth's economy. But if you don't do those things that are necessary, then you will live at the cap of what this economy tells you you can live at. And that means there are going to be times that it's going to be difficult for you to find supplies. It's going to be time. It's going to be difficult for you to have the resources you want. The prices of things are going to exceed what you're making. Inflation is going to outpace your raise. And you're not going, you're going to literally be living off worse two years from now than you are today. But not if you don't panic. But not if you don't fear. Not if you don't rush. Not if you don't get out of love, because God says, even if you see the trouble, even if you see it with your eyes, it won't come near you. If you remember this, you are already blessed. You are already ready and you have already won. He says, so in those times, don't say what the world is saying. Say what I've said. Go ahead and type this in the comment section. Say, I'll say what God said. I will say what God said. I will say what God said. I don't care what it looks like when I'm pumping gas and it says $100. I'm going to say what God says. When it's time for me to drive my kids somewhere, I ain't going to be fussing at my kids about the price of gas. I'm going to take my kids to the same places I was taking them before. Listen, I don't like, if you like it, that's fine, but I don't like ramen noodles. So I ain't going to the store buying bags and bags of ramen noodles because steak is too expensive. I like steak, so that's what I'm going to get when I go to the store. Why? Because I'm not downgrading my level of living because this economy is crazy. My God is still the same God today as he was yesterday. Listen, I ain't telling my kids in, in, in April, don't y'all be expecting nothing for Christmas. You know prices is high. Nope, I'm not doing that. Whatever I was going to get them for Christmas, I'm still going to get them for Christmas. Whatever I was getting them for graduation, I'm going to do for graduation. We're not downgrading the scholarship this year because economy is high. In fact, we're going above $50,000 in the scholarship this year. This is not a year of pullback. This is not a year of decrease. This is not a year of cutback. This is a a year of what? Great progress. God didn't tell us it was going to be a year of great progress in order for the economy to tell us something different in order for us to shrink back and believe the economy rather than believe in God. I trust God. This is the year of great progress. So number five, here's what we got to do. We got to overcome whatever is trying to hinder our faith. The Bible says you and I have an adversary. You and I have an adversary. What does that mean? It means we have an opponent. It means we have somebody who is in competition against us. The enemy wants to wear us out in such a way that we will use our mouth, that we will use our heart to circumvent what God has said in our life. 
And I am telling you, we won't do it. We will not do it. We will not circumvent what it is that God has said in our life. We will not allow the enemy to apply pressure to us so that we give in to his tricks and his plans because we use our mouth to agree with him. We just will not do it. Hear me. If you find yourself saying stuff like, well, Pastor Edwin, I have faith. I've been praying. I've been fasting. I've been doing communion. I've been coming to service and I'm not seeing any results. What I want you to know is the enemy is simply trying to apply enough pressure to get you to say the wrong thing. He's trying to wear you out. He is trying to terrorize and torture you because he understands he can't snatch from you what God has given you. But he can apply enough pressure that if you're not careful, you will give up the gift. You will return it back to him. You will give him back your peace. You will give him back the prosperity. You will give him back the health. You will give him back the good marriage. You will give all of that back to him because you're tired of the pressure. But child of God, let me tell you something. You were engineered and you were built and designed to handle exactly what you're going through. Woo, I wish you would hear me this morning. You have been specifically engineered by heaven before you ever showed up on this earth to be able to deal with exactly what you're going through right now. Watch this, whether it's a result of your own doing or someone else's, God already saw it coming. He already understood what it was gonna take. So he designed you, he built you, he engineered you to overcome in every single area. So I beseech you, I'm begging you, I'm asking you with everything in me, do not panic, do not fear, do not rush, and do not get out of love. Do those things that God has called you to and watch and see how you rise above every circumstance. This year, Although it's going to be tragic for some, it's going to be a heroic year. It's going to be epic for you and I. Why? Because we're going to keep rising in this state when people are saying, how are you prospering? How are you making more money now than you were making two years ago when inflation is doing all this crazy stuff? How are you still going on vacation? How are you and your spouse still happy? How are your kids still behaving? How are they still making good grades? How are you still able to pay for private school? How are you still able to get a new car? How are you still able to do all this stuff? And you're going to say, baby, this has been a year of great progress. When things got crazy, I didn't panic. When things got wild, I did not fear. When folks was acting ugly, I stayed in love. And as a result, everything God promised me has come to pass. Why? Because I overcome whatever is trying to hinder me in my faith. Listen, you got to understand when God makes a promise, it's usually a condition to that promise. The Bible says, if thou shalt confess with thy mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and that he is the son of God and he was raised from the dead. He says, if all of that, he says, then thou shalt be saved. Most of God's promises are conditional. In other words, we have a part to play. Dr. Fred Price used to say it like this. He says, if you pull a card from the promise box, he says, make sure you go to the promise book and read the verses before it and after it because it's probably conditional. 
It's probably conditional. There's some things that you need to do. Like what? I need to trust and believe God. The Bible says we cannot please God without what? Faith. We must have faith to even please God. And so if we're going to please God, we've got to have faith. Because without faith, it is impossible. It is impossible to believe God. Listen, keep in mind. I want you to understand that when I talk about these five keys, you can't do them one time. This has got to become a lifestyle. I got to choose life. I have to learn to choose life. I have to learn to wake up every single morning and be like, you know what? This is what I want out of life. I got to choose life and I got to speak the right words. And then I have to practice speaking life-giving words. I got to practice using my mouth the right way. I can't use my mouth so reckless that it ends up condemning me, right? And then I got to learn how to be obedient. I got to learn to obey God and embrace obedience to the degree that I actually enjoy obeying God. Somebody say that. Say, I love obeying God. Because when I do those three things, now it becomes easy for me to live a life on purpose, to live a life full of faith on purpose. Why? Because I've chosen life. I've watched what I say, and I'm making sure that I'm being intentionally obedient. And so when all that happens, now I'm ready for the fight. One, two, three, and four is like off season. <laughs> People who play sports know you, you don't get better during the season. You get better in the off season. That's when you train. So one step one, two, three, and four is like off season. So what? We can get to step five, and that's when the season comes. That's when we play the game. That's when we play the game. When the enemy shows up and he says, Oh, you didn't think you, you, you thought giving to God was gonna prosper you. Well, watch this. Now I'm gonna make all of your groceries go from being $300 a month to $600 a month. Now I wanna see. Now I want to see how 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 much how faithful you'll be to your giving. Now that I now that I've caused you to have to spend more. Listen, that's not a time to panic. That's not a time to fear. That's a time to say, God, my 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 thing, my my uh my bills or or, or whatever I have to have to live has increased. So God, I need you to increase me. And God says, not a problem. When you're in your lane, I saw this coming. Increase is right there. Just do this next thing. Just do the, you know, I, I like cartoon movies. Y'all know that. People who know me know I like cartoon movies. One of my favorite movies is Frozen 2. And in Frozen 2, she was trying to figure out what she was supposed to do. And the little troll in the movie told her, he said, listen, just do the next right thing. That, that's my mantra in life. What am I supposed to do? I don't have to worry about what I'm supposed to do in April or May or June. God, what's the next right thing you want me to do? What's the next right thing you want me to do? Somebody said in the comments, I never freeze. The Black Panther. That's right. When, when things go bad, don't you freeze? Don't freeze. Don't, don't, don't let your faith shrink in times of adversity. That's when you're supposed to stand up and be strong. Listen, the Bible says this. I'm going to end with this. I'm going to end with this scripture. Isaiah 54, verse 15 through 17. And I'm going to be done. Isaiah 54, 15 through 17 says, he says, behold, they shall surely gather together. He says, listen, don't, don't you think for a moment that you are somehow um, out of positioning to think that things or people or the enemy won't gather people to come against you or things or circumstances or situations to come against you. He says, behold, they shall surely gather together. He said, but know this, they won't be by me. 
I ain't sending bad stuff to you. He said, this terrible economy ain't got nothing to do with me. He said, this inflation, I ain't doing that to you. I ain't trying to harm you. He said, this COVID, this ain't got nothing to do with me. I didn't send that. He says, oh, they're going to gather, but they're not going to gather by me. He says, but whosoever shall gather together against you, he says, watch this. They're going to fall for your sake. He says, they may gather, but they won't prosper. What I mean by that? That means the, the, the inflation may gather, but it won't prosper. Not against me. Why I want to prosper against me? Because I'm so much. No, 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 no. Not because I'm so much. Verse 16. He says, behold, I have created the smith, the blacksmith that bloweth into the coals of the fire and that bringeth forth an instrument of his work. And I have created the waster to destroy. He says, watch this. They're going to gather. Right. He said, but even though they gather, I didn't send them. He said, but they're not going to prosper against you. Because ultimately, I still made them too. He said, not only did I make them, but I made the person that made them. He said, so I have control over everything. He said, so rest assured in this, verse 17, that no weapon that is formed against thee shall prosper. He says, and in fact, every tongue that rises against thee in judgment, he says, you're going to have the opportunity to condemn it. He says, why? For this is the heritage of the servants of the Lord and their righteousness is of me, said the Lord. He says, watch this, fellowship of champions, you're going to have the opportunity to condemn inflation. How? Because when inflation rises, you're going to rise above it. He says, you're going to have the opportunity to condemn uh, disease and famine. Why? Because when they show up, you're going to be an answer for people who are suffering. He says, you're going to have the opportunity to condemn it when it rises up and says something. And it doesn't mean it has to. It's not just talking about people. When inflation rises up and says, OK, I'm going to take more of your resources. He says, you're going to have the opportunity to condemn it. Why? By having even more resources. He said, but it all begins with understanding how you operate in me, how you operate in in me. So I want you to take these five keys. I want you to think about them. I want you to make the decision. If nothing else, do number one. If, if you can't do two, three, four, and five yet, do number one starting, the, starting today. But especially when you wake up in the morning, say today is a day full of opportunity. Today will be a great day. Choose life. And, and if you got something going on in your, in your life that, that makes you not choose life, Ask God what you need to do about it because it probably doesn't need to be there. It's probably something you put there. And if it's something that God put there, then you need to embrace that whatever God has for you is good and change your attitude about it. Like literally, when I, when I, when I thought that God wanted me to stay at, at, at my current job, I totally changed my mindset about it because I thought that's what God said. Whatever God says makes me happy. So choose life. Choose life. Don't use your words. Don't use your words to say stuff that's going to cause you to, to not be in line with God. Choose your words wisely. Live your life and, and, and be intentional about being obedient. Live radically. We used to say this, you know, we can still say it, 2022 is a year of radical obedience. <laughs> it wasn't just for 2021. <laughs> I know we said 2021, but it's, you know what? You can be radically obedient in 2022. All right? And then you got to live a life a faith on purpose, okay? And then don't be scared to fight. 
Number five, you got to learn to overcome whatever obstacles are in your life trying to hinder your faith. That may mean that I can't, I can't talk to everybody about every dream I have. Everybody hadn't been called to the same dream. Find some people who are swimming in the same lane that you're in. If the Lord has told you that he wants you to be a millionaire and nobody in your family's ever been a millionaire and all they can ever say is, oh, you're just dreaming. You're such a big dreamer. They may not be in the right lane. You can share your dreams with at the time. You ain't got to be mad at them. Just go become a millionaire and show them how to do it. And so those are the five things I wanted to share with you today. Pastor Sean and I will be back next week. I think we'll finish up talking about the names of God. Pastor Sean's on camera. She just popped on there. All right. Hey, Pastor Sean. I think you're on mute. You're on mute. We can't hear you. I just wanted to say you preach really good, and I wanted to tell everybody they should come to church for Easter. That's all I wanted to say. Oh, okay. Yep, they should. They should so you to preach really good, and partners, We are. Per I'm personally inviting you to come to Northwest Arkansas. The airport code is X and A. Come to Northwest Arkansas and spend Easter Sunday with us because we'll be our first time being live in over a year. And I'm super excited about it. Bay, you showed it preach today. Hey, man, we want people to be successful. We want people to not let all this happening cause them to be derailed because we're not going to be derailed. And we certainly don't know. Oh, I'm prospering every season. In every season. That's what in, every season. in every season. In every season. In every season. Uh, Tracy asked if it's going to be online. We don't know if we're going to be online that particular Sunday. It no, may we'll do early. We'll do. We we'll know. do. We'll stack them like we did before. Oh, you, well, well, we'll come online earlier. But I thought she was asking whether the no. Easter service. We'll come teach. Yeah, we'll come teach, and then we'll teach live. Yeah. it's so going to be better. Only you who can't make it, you'll still be able to share with us on Easter, um, like normal. But the in person. Yeah. but I want to say this because you just talked about using your faith. How do you decide in March that you can't come in April? Right. Like, if you, how want, do you, to if you, if want, you want to come. And I think that's the thing that people miss about faith, right? Mm -hmm. It's like people decide today. People look at their money yep. to decide what they can do today instead of yep. simply saying, hey, I want to be with my church family. And so I, God showed me how to get there. And people miss the opportunity to have supernatural provision and God's instruction come in their life because they look at themselves instead of looking at God. So true. So true. Well, but for real, I didn't come on here to preach. I just came on here to invite everybody. You did an amazing job, and I'm finna go. All right. Well, we love, I you. love you. All right. Love you too. All right. All right. Bye. All right. So listen, you've already seen the announcements. I won't go through those again. Listen, remember, this is your opportunity. To, this is your opportunity to sow. For some of you, watch this. For some of you, you need to sow today. And when you sow, you need to attach a memo or whatever you can to it. And you need to call it your more than enough seed. You are more than enough seed. Don't you let the enemy cause you to shrink back on your giving, on your sowing, on your helping other people. You know, don't 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 do it. Don't do it. And, and I, I share this story and then, I'll, and then I'm going to I'm really I really am going to go. Um, yesterday, we got a call uh, because we've got a reputation in the city now. And, I, I, and I'll be honest with you, at first I was concerned, but then God spoke to me about it. We have a reputation in the city that when people need help, they call Fellowship of Champions. Now, other churches, other churches, churches larger than ours, when people need help, they tell people, if you call Fellowship of Champions, they might be can help you. They might be able to help you. 
And there are times that we do. There are times that we're not able to do some of the things that people want to do or uh, the, the Lord says, don't get involved in that particular thing. But yesterday was one of those days. I'm sitting at home. My phone rings. I get a phone call. There's there's a, a, a young lady on the other end of the phone. Um, she was clearly in distress. She said, I, you know, I just I, I was I was told by two different churches uh, that Jay couldn't help me, but you may be able to help. me." And I was like, what do you need? So I asked her, I said, well, you know, wh where are you? And she told me where she was and what she needed. Her car had broken down. She was trying to get back to wherever she was coming, going to, coming through uh, Fayetteville. She was sleeping in her car. And she said that uh, the first night was okay. But the second night, two men tried to get in her car. So she was scared to stay in her car again. And she needed a place to stay. And, and I don't know, the Holy Spirit was like, help her. Just go help her. And I was like, okay, tell me your name, you know, and, and where you were at. And, and listen, here's what you were able to do yesterday. You were able to take someone who was sleeping in a car where someone was trying to get into the car. Two men was trying to get into the car to get to this young lady. You were able to help her get to a safe place to spend last night until somebody from Oklahoma could come and get her. That is on your account. That goes towards you because we could not do that without the partners. Well, we could have, Pastor Sean and I could have. The church couldn't have done that without you being a part and helping. And I, and I don't say that to, to boast. I say it to say this happens so many times during the week. We don't have time to come on and tell you everything that we do. But what I can tell you is that every time we do it, heaven records that to your account. So don't let the enemy cause you to shrink back on the thing that you promised God you would do because this economy is going crazy. Don't panic. Don't fear. Don't be in a rush and don't walk out of love. If you'll do those things, I'm telling you, you're going to have a great time in this year. All right, man. Listen, God bless you. We love you. Join us. Pastor, you can just shake your head. Yes or no. Are you doing strategies for success? Okay, no strategies for success tomorrow. So next time we see you will be on Tuesday. Join us for prayer. Come to prayer. Praise God for the 80 of you who stayed on uh, to the very end. I hope the 80 of you are in prayer and I hope the 80 of you will invite one person to come to prayer. Think about that. If everybody got, if everybody got one person to commit to come to prayer on Tuesday night at 8 p.m., we could have 160 people easily on there. Amen. So let's at least get 100. Can we do that? Can we, can, can we do that in this quarter one time, go 100 plus on Tuesday night prayer. If we can do that this Tuesday, y'all would make pastors so happy. I would appreciate that. All right, we love you guys. Have a wonderful day. Be safe. Enjoy wherever you are. If you're traveling, be safe. If you're having, if you got kids, spend some time with them. You know, just do whatever you're supposed to do to, to refresh. Take care of your mental health. Take care of your mental health. There's a lot going on. And part of the way of doing that is staying in the word. Amen. All right, we love you guys. Have a great Sunday.